So this context of the kingdom has been so, so important because it helps us understand where we are and where we're going. And how many of you know you got to know where you're at in human history? you got to know where this is all going, and you got to know your place within God's work. And so this understanding of the kingdom has been really important. The kingdom is the already, meaning Jesus Christ has brought the kingdom, but the kingdom is the not yet. And we're going to talk about the consummation of the kingdom today because this is the blessed hope. This is what we're looking forward to. This is what keeps us moving every day with with hope and passion is the coming of the kingdom, all right? Now, take a look with me at a powerful verse. Uh, It's a little bit of review this morning. I'm just laying some, some groundwork, but we're going to... Wrap it up with the coming of the king, all right? Matthew 24, 14 is really a, a critical verse for the season in which we're living. It's a verse that's familiar, but let's read it together. It says, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world, so that all nations, everybody say all nations, all nations. will hear it, and then the end is going to come. So this verse contains three important things. It contains our message, our mission, and our motive, all right? Our message is the gospel of the kingdom. Now, how many of you know we've been driving this point home? The message is not just a message of salvation. It's the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. What does that mean? That Jesus Christ reigns over everything, not just the human heart, which is salvation, but he reigns over everything. He's Lord of all. We just had 230-some people sign up for our biblical citizenship class. Praise the Lord. That was amazing. And... um, it was awesome. All y'all are welcome. We're doing it again this Wednesday. But why do we do a class like that? Because Jesus is Lord of government. Yes. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's Lord of education. He's Lord of law. He's Lord of sociology. He's Lord of, uh, of entertainment. He's Lord of sports. He's Lord of everything that there is. He's Lord of all. That's the message we declare. Not just the message that he's Lord of your heart. That's true too, but he's Lord over the whole entire cosmos. Jesus Christ is large and in charge. That's the message. So everywhere we go, we declare that message. And the Bible says, signs and wonders follow the, pro- uh, the proclaiming of that good news. And so I want to get you all ready. Everywhere you go on planet Earth, it belongs to Jesus Christ. Every place your foot treads, it belongs to the Lord. And he has given us authority to preach the good news in his name, to set people free, to heal sick people, to bring the good news of salvation everywhere we go. It doesn't matter. This is so good. When you go to the nations of the world, guess what? Demons understand that demons in Spanish-speaking countries, while you're preaching in English, they understand the name of Jesus, and they have to submit to the name of Jesus. So everywhere you go on planet Earth, we declare Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the message. What's the mission? This good news of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world. Can I just tell you something? Living Stones has always been a church that has had their eyes set on the unreached. The unreached are the target peoples of the world. They're people who have never heard about Jesus Christ. America's not the target. America is the launch pad. We have people in America, obviously, that need to hear the good news of the gospel. Please hear me. But there are nations waiting. There are people who have never heard before. And Jesus said, this good news will be preached to all of them. I mean, you know, we have a a task, and we'll be sharing with you some exciting vision because this church is being used in crazy ways in the nations of the world. 
And, uh, and we're intentional about that. And I so appreciate when we hear the word of the Lord, when Apostle Ted Sola came last week or two weeks ago, he prophesied that God would give us enough bread to go to the nations, not only to take care of our people here and the vision here, but how many of you know if God's vision is the nations of the world, it's God's responsibility to fund his vision. Yes. And so it means we have to keep moving in faith. We have to keep believing God. We have to keep always sticking our neck out and trusting the Lord. But I'm just going to tell you this. As long as you are focused on the mission, God will fund you. If you become the mission, God hasn't promised to fund me, but he does promise to fund what he's engaged in, and God has a heart for the world. And so this church has to be a church that has a vision for the world which means God has to constantly enlarge our mind and keep stretching our, our thoughts and help us get not so focused on taking care of me and us and right here. How I many you know what we're building there is not so we can all sit back and go, wow, what a pretty building. That is a functional building that will be used to train and equip and send until Jesus comes. It's not something we sit back and say, oh, look how pretty this building is. Who cares about all that stuff? It is purely functional. Beautifully functional, but functional. And, and the goal of what is happening here is not that it stays here. It's that we send it out and that you're sent out and that we keep going and we keep sending and we keep moving and we keep believing. And so we're going to keep asking you, let's believe God. We have a special opportunity here. We need this amount of money. Let's keep believing God. And listen, if it's mission-centric, that's an opportunity for God to bless you. And I want you to get a prosperity mentality because the king and the kingdom are bigger than the American economy and they're bigger than your personal economy. And so you have to be a, you have to be a kingdom church. You have to know uh, what the message is. You have to know what the mission is. And I want you to hear this. What is the motive? Then the end will come. The consummation of everything we've ever dreamed for is coming. But so, so here's a question. Pastor, how come Jesus hasn't come back? Well, evidently the mission is not complete. Why is he not returned? Because he's waiting. Well, what's he waiting for? The church. He's waiting for us. It's not rocket science, is it? So we have a, we have a privilege to be a part of what God's doing on planet earth right now. And we say, Pastor, man, I would, love, I would love to be alive when Christ returns. I would too. So what does that mean? Do we sit on our couch and wait? No. It means we roll up our sleeves and we get to work. If you, if you really want to see that happen, then we should be working really, really hard. What, but here, here's our work. What is our work? It's simply sowing the seed. It's the, it's the good news. We're just good news tellers everywhere we go. And then God's job is backing up the good news with the power of the gospel. Amen? So I lay that verse out there to keep the mission before us, the, the message, the mission, and the motive before us. But let's talk about another M. Let's talk about living in the mystery right now. We're living in the mystery. Isn't it interesting that even John the Baptist, who declared when he saw Jesus, he said, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How many of you know he knew who Jesus was? He declared who Jesus was. But after a while, John even started having second thoughts. You remember that? He was in prison. And he said, hey, 
go ask Jesus, basically, are you the guy? Now, this is pretty stunning, but I want you to know, why was he questioning the identity of Jesus as the Messiah? Because the entire Old Testament understanding of the coming of the Messiah was a cataclysmic, rapid, upside-down turn of the world and the world's order. Christ was going to be coming, the Messiah was coming, and he was going to clean house. And it was going to be cataclysmic. It was going to be quick. It was going to be take no prisoners. The Messiah is large and in charge, and he's going to deal with all unrighteousness. He's going to deal with all the enemies of God, and, and he's going to usher in an absolute new kingdom. And how I many of you know when you're sitting in prison getting ready to have your head cut off, it doesn't look like that's happening? And so you're going, hey, I just told everybody how awesome this is going to be, Jesus, when you come. And now I'm in prison, and I'm going to lose my head over this situation. This isn't looking like what we anticipated. And so Jesus told a series of parables in Matthew chapter 13, and I want to look at them very quickly this morning. Matthew chapter 13. Let's go down to verse 24 together. This is the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Here's another story Jesus told. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night as the worker slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, and then he slipped away. And when the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. And the farmer's workers went to him and said, sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied, you'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. What does this talk about? Well, it simply reminds us that God's kingdom has come into the world, and his kingdom is present even now, but his kingdom is present amidst the weeds. There's good seed, there's bad seed. Which, which tells me this, I, I have an optimistic view of the future. In other words, I believe the church's best days are ahead of us. I don't have one of these pessimistic views that there's only going to be a couple of us and we're barely hanging on and the devil's so big and the church is so pathetic. I'm believing in a third great awakening that's coming. I believe we're going to see the glory of the Lord. Um, I believe I, I, I'm excited about what's about to take place. But here's the reality. We're going to be dealing with the world and the flesh and the devil until Jesus comes. There is going to be mixture on planet Earth. There will be mixture even within the church of Jesus Christ. Mixture, mixture, mixture. And Jesus said, no, 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 you don't go ripping that out yet because in doing so, you'll, you'll destroy the crop. He says, I'm going to take care of that at the end of the age, so be patient. So I just want you to know we're going to deal. It's not going to all be roses until Jesus comes. How I many know we're going to deal with stuff? We're in a battleground. This is spiritual warfare. There's an enemy. He's planting bad seed amongst the good seed, which means if I asked you how was your week, you'd probably say, well, pretty good. We had some ups and we had some downs. Some weeks more downs than ups. That's the nature of this world in which we live. You're going to have people that are around you who are bad seed right now. We're praying that Jesus wrecks them and rocks them. But in the meantime, welcome to planet Earth, all right? You're in a world of mixture. So don't be too discouraged by that and don't be too optimistic on your bright day, all right? We're living in a world of mixture. Now let's go on to the next parable quickly here. Lord, help me get through this. All right. 
Verse 31, the parable of the mustard seed. Here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and the birds come, and they make nests in its branches. The mustard seed was tiny and insignificant. And how many of you know right now, it's easy for the church of Jesus Christ to feel tiny and insignificant, all right? Especially in American culture today. No one's coming asking us for our opinion. No one thinks that what we're doing here has much significance. Nobody thinks the church is all powerful or mighty or whatever. We're tiny and insignificant. But how many of you know that's not how we're going to stay? What, what, what is happening on planet Earth and has been since Christ came and brought the kingdom is the kingdom has been growing and growing and significant. And the, the day is coming when the kingdom will be a massive tree. And, and listen, we're a part of that. And so we remind ourselves. And can I remind you, the kingdom of God inside of us starts off tiny and insignificant. Some of you are sitting here this morning, you're feeling weak. You're feeling, you know, like not that strong spiritually. You're feeling like, man, I'm immature. Am I ever going to get this? Uh, the kingdom comes in a tiny little seed. It's called being born again. God plants his seed in you. But guess what? He is fully committed to watching that little seed grow into a giant tree. I'm telling you guys, I'm looking out at oaks of righteousness this morning, plantings of the Lord. He who began a good work in you will never, ever, ever stop until that work comes to completion. And you might feel like an acorn right now, but come on, you guys are oaks of righteousness. <laughs> We're going from glory to glory to glory to glory. And if you'll just simply cooperate with God's processes in your life, you will see a transformation happen that is absolutely unbelievable. People will be standing in the shade of your tree, and you'll be able to give off fruit, and you'll be able to minister to other people because you'll no longer be a little acorn. You're going to be a mighty oak for, uh, for the Lord. Amen? That's the way the kingdom works. Now, he tells another parable here, too, the parable of the yeast. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast that a woman used in making bread. And even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour. Now, I read about the three measures of flour. That was enough flour to feed about 300 people, all right? That's a lot of flour, and that's a lot of bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. This is so good. Yeast is almost imperceptible. You can't see it, but it's working inside the dough. And what happens when you put yeast in, in, in flour? It begins to rise, right? It rises. Uh, and eventually, that yeast permeates the entire loaf. It, again, is a picture of the internal workings of the Holy Spirit inside of our life. How many of you know if you invited Jesus Christ to be king, how many of you have done that? That's what it means to be born again then he takes you seriously and he begins conquering every enemy on the inside of you until he has total control of your life. Aren't you glad God keeps going after those stubborn areas of sin and disobedience? Come on. The yeast, the yeast of the Holy Spirit has been planted inside of me and inside of you and he is working on permeating the entire loaf called Ron Johnson, all right? And isn't that what we want? that Jesus Christ would have all of us. But he's also doing it in the nations of the world. You know what? The gospel is spreading across the nations of the world. If we could, all, all we hear about is the 
progressive propaganda on the news that is bad news, it's terrible news, uh, and it's not the accurate news, all right? The accurate news is we're part of something that is unstoppable. We're a part of something that is so powerful if we could just see what's happening. We're a part of something where little normal people like us, not big people, not powerful people, just little normal saved people are being used to simply declare the good news of the king. And God's confirming that with signs and wonders all around the nations of the world. And the church of Jesus Christ is growing even as we speak. It's like the dough. It's It's just being completely permeated by the yeast of the gospel. And this is going to happen increasingly until the end of the age, until the entire planet is full of the glory of the Lord, all right? That's what Jesus promises in the parable of the yeast. Big kingdom, but it's almost imperceptible. And so uh, one day there will be a day when no rival sovereignty will exist on planet Earth. The entire mass of creation, the entire dough uh, will be full of leaven, all right? And that's the good news. Let's go to the next one, the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl. Look at verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field, and in his excitement, he hid it again, and he sold everything. Everybody say everything. everything. And he, everything that he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. And when he discovered a pearl of great value, a single pearl of great value, he sold everything, everything that he owned, and he bought it. Now, both of these parables talk about seeing, discovering something that was of such significance that everything in your life compared to it was nothing in comparison. And the first one, the guy just stumbled upon it. He wasn't looking. How many of you know sometimes we're going through our lives and we just happen to stumble upon Jesus? In other words, you weren't particularly seeking him out, but he kind of put himself in, in your way and you stumbled upon him and you realize, wow, this is awesome. You experience the touch from God. You experience freedom. You experience healing. And how many of you know to taste the Lord is to want more? And you realize that the more meant that Jesus was saying, you know what, I don't want to be just a part of your life. I want to be all of your life. And you realize, I love this because it says uh, in the NLT, it says uh, in his excitement, in the King James Version, it it says uh, with joy, with joy. This is what's amazing about the king and the kingdom. How many of you know Jesus doesn't force himself on people? He just invites you, which is so cool, too, because he's not shoving his beliefs or his will or forcing people at, the, at knife point or gunpoint to convert to Christianity or else like we see other false religions in the world. You know how Jesus wins us over? By revealing his beauty and greatness to us. That's why I think that song rocked me so much this morning, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Because to see him is to love him. And to love him is to pursue him. And to pursue him is to catch him. And when you've caught him, nothing else matters. And what we have to be as a kingdom church 
is a church that's willing to sell all for the price. You know, it's not a burden or a duty to follow Christ. It is a privilege and an incredible joy. And that's the nature of the kingdom. This pearl dealer was, he understood what valuable pearls look like. And in those days, pearls were more valuable than gold. Probably harder to find. And when he found the one pearl, the pearl of great price, he realized all of his other pearls were nothing. And so can I just encourage us? Part of the fun of being together as God's people is being people who pursue the presence of the Lord and who love the Lord and who love being with the Lord and who love being a part of what the Lord is doing, not out of some kind of duty, but out of joy, out of like, what else could I be doing with my life? Thank you, Lord, for capturing my heart. And I want you to capture my heart even more and more and more and more. I want to be captivated by you. Which is why, can I just say, as a kingdom church, why we hate being bound by the clock like we are now with space and building problems. Because listen, how awesome is it when we worship Jesus in his presence? How awesome is the presence of God? How awesome is it when you see the Lord change people's lives? I mean, what is, what is more valuable? What is more awesome? What is the better use of your life than to spill your life for Jesus, than to give it all for Jesus? Listen to what Paul said. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 7, I I once thought these things were valuable, all this life stuff, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded rather everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. How many of you know we don't buy our place in the kingdom It comes as a free gift to people who are humble and people who are hungry for the Lord. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 says this. This is the Sermon on the Mount. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You know, you can't get into the kingdom until you realize that you're spiritually bankrupt and that you have nothing to offer except your hunger and your desire. And so as a kingdom church, we're always pursuing the king and we're pursuing the fullness of his kingdom. So listen, we're, we're always satisfied and continually unsatisfied at the same time. It means we are satisfied with Christ and we want more. We're satisfied with all the amazing things God is doing and we're not satisfied because we know there's more. And that is a healthy tension to live in. Are you hearing me? Don't ever lose your hunger for the Lord. And don't ever lose the vision of how priceless and precious it is that you have been invited to be a part of the kingdom of God. 
and that your sons and your daughters, what a privilege. Let's be, let's be the kind of people that are willing to sell all. Amen? To do the radical things, to sell all for the sake of the gospel. Let me quickly move on here. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. And when the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore and they sat down and they sorted the good fish into crates, but they threw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and will separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked, throwing the wicked, the, uh, the fiery furnace where there will be, I think I missed a sentence there, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's important for us to remember that there is a cataclysmic change coming, but it's at the end of the age. Christ is coming. And picture yourself in that big dragnet, the end of all human history, and picture the Lord himself going through the catch and sorting the good fish from the bad fish. And picture the judgment that's coming. And, uh, and which pile are you in? <laughs> which pile am I in? These are good things to think about. Good things to think about. Now, let me just say this. Every one of us in this room should have the assurance of our faith Amen. that we're saved because of the Lord and, and, and our judgment is secure. But if you're here this morning and you're not sure, don't wait until this happens to try to figure out where you stand. It reminds us that Jesus is coming. There will be a cataclysmic upheaval of all of human history. There will be a sorting of the good from the bad. He will separate the weeds from the wheat. And, uh, and we need to be ready for that moment. And by the grace of God and the mercy of God, we will be. Let's talk about very quickly here. I only have a couple minutes. When the not becomes the already. I talked about the already and the not yet. Let's talk about when the not yet becomes the already. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Matthew 25, verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Those are the words that those of us who are in Christ are going to hear the Lord speak over our lives. Come, you guys, come. I want you to inherit this kingdom that my father's been preparing from the foundation of the world. And I love this verse. We'll close with this. 1 Corinthians 15, 24. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all of his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scriptures say God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself who gave Christ his authority. Then when all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority so that God, who gave his Son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything everywhere. Can we just look at that last part? So God will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. Wow! That wraps it all up in one beautiful package. When you picture the Son coming back from his faithful mission to redeem the cosmos for God's glory, and he bows before the Father, 
uh, as that beautiful picture presenting his, the blood of his sacrifice and the Lord places him at his right hand and gives him all authority to bring all of his enemies under his feet, which how many of you know that is happening right now? What is the role of the church to bring all the enemies of Christ to their knees? to preach the gospel, to declare the good news about our king, to demonstrate the beauty of the Lord. Amen? Amen? Because the day is coming when Jesus Christ, God the Father, will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. What an amazing king. What, a, what an expansive kingdom. The little mustard seed has become the big tree. The little, the little yeast has filled the entire loaf. And Jesus Christ is all in all. Amen? The planet is restored. Sin and sickness and disease and our ultimate enemy, death itself, gone forever. And this is why in the worst of times, when we lose loved ones, when we experience death, we, we rejoice in the midst of our sorrow knowing that this is all temporary and that what is coming is absolutely unbelievable. And so we count it all joy in the midst of this world and all the mixture we continue to keep our eyes on the, the mission and our, our passion set on Jesus Christ. Can I just encourage us? Let's every week, what, why are we coming here to worship? We're asking the Lord to throw gasoline on the fire of our passion for Jesus every week. Lord, ignite fresh passion. Lord, keep me focused. Keep me trusting you. Keep me on mission. Keep the motive burning before me, God. There's a king that's coming. There's a kingdom that's being birthed. And, Lord, we get the taste of it now, but we're not satisfied. We want more. Send revival. Send awakening. Send reformation. God, give us the nations as our inheritance. We cry out for more. More, 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 more. So stand to your feet. Let me bless you. Father God, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth even as it is in heaven. God, may this be a kingdom church moving in kingdom power with kingdom passion, with kingdom presence, Lord, until you come. Jesus, we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Bring the fullness of your life and your light. And in the meantime, we claim this region for the king. We claim every nation for King Jesus. Lord, use us for your glory. Use us for your glory and let the earth be filled with the glory of the Lord. And God, may we be a part of what you're doing on planet earth. God, we want more. Send your spirit. Send your power. Send your presence. God, let us see an earth shaking move before we die. God, let us see it with our own eyes. We pray this all in your mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give them a shout of Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey, if you need prayer, come on up, all right? We want to minister to you.